Franklin really has been my first real home. I love the town. My kids love the town, and we're really proud of where we are, and we want our student-athletes to feel the same level of pride, compete with each other, and try to make memories. That was Coach Zach Brown from Franklin High School in Massachusetts. He'll be our next guest on the Base Path Podcast. Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan, along with co-host Matt Feld. Today's guest has established one of the top programs in Massachusetts at a public school in the Hockamock League. We're joined by Franklin head coach Zach Brown in studio. Brown led Franklin to a Super 8 championship in 2018 and seems to have the Panthers in the mix for a state championship every year. Over his 10 years as head coach, he has made Franklin a hotbed for D1 recruiting, among New England programs. Coach Brown, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we spoke last week just to kind of talk about some of the discussion points that we were going to have today. And I think the one thing I kind of really wanted to hone in on, a lot of high school coaches in Massachusetts will have teams that compete for championships maybe one year or two years. They have a really strong class. And like I said, you seem to be there every year. Um, what do you think, is it, is it starting it out at the youth level and really getting these players established before they get to the high school? Is it the development you have at the high school level? Or what would you attribute the, the recent success to or the consistent success? Well, I think it's a number of factors, honestly. I don't think there's any one factor that really overrides another one. Franklin has always been a baseball town, and and that really hasn't changed. We have great, great role models and mentors within the town. Pete Pascarosa was head coach and an athletic director prior to, to my hiring, and then Dave Nero, both of which are Hall of Fame, NBCA Hall of Fame baseball coaches. So for me, when, when I took over the program it was really just trying to build and upon the 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 foundation that was already established granted we had some challenges at that time not having a field for a number of years while the new high school was being built created some some challenges for us that we had to be creative and really embrace being on the road for a number of years but i think you could go right down from the school which is an amazing facility. The administration is very supportive of athletics. Parents, I know that's a real hot-button topic nowadays, but our parents are great. They really are. I mean, everybody has a blip here or there. Our parents are very passionate and want what's best for their kids, but we really do have a tremendous support from that aspect. And then, yeah, our youth programs are, are outstanding. They're actually very competitive and so I think that environment has allowed those kids to flourish when they get to the high school and then once they get to the high school I think we have a great foundation and a great plan in place for development we have two really top-notch youth I mean sub-varsity coaches Scott Ross and 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 Buddy Buddy's been with me for a number of years now and and we were high school teammates and and so I, I really trust him and value his opinion with the JV team and, and then our staff is, is incredible. We have a number of guys that all have college experience, and a lot of them I either coached with, played with, or recruited to Wheaton College and, and have been fortunate enough to bring them on board with me. They, they spend countless hours. I mean, everybody knows that high school baseball coaches, especially oh, yeah. assistant coaches, are volunteering their time. And we happen to have, you know, six or seven guys that are, 
you know, constantly at practices and games and sacrificing the, you know, time away from their family and their jobs. So most importantly, we have great kids and they're very talented players and they all push each other and our culture is in a great place. I feel like in most school districts now, it's almost a, a requirement for the head coach to either work in that school or maybe have experience or current experience working in a school system of some kind. Not that you don't. You worked at Stonehill College, and you certainly coached at the collegiate level. But can you speak to how you're able to maintain strong relationships with the players or student-athletes throughout the year and then help that kind of run into a successful baseball season despite the fact that, that you don't teach in the building? Yeah, I think I just have to work a little harder in terms of outreach, constantly sending messages off to players and reaching out to them and any any opportunity I can get to go. A lot of our, our, our athletes are multi-sport guys, so if we can go and watch them compete on a Friday night under the lights playing football or, or in a basketball gym or what have you, we're going to do And then shoot them a message. Let them know you're proud of them, you're following them, love how they handle themselves. And so I think we work hard at trying to make sure that we keep those those lines of communication open and, and constantly kind of following up on them, making sure that they know that you're you're there and a sounding board and a support system if they, if they need you. As far as how the high school baseball scene has changed in your 10 years at Franklin, it seems like, obviously, you have that really tough competition in the Hockamock League. Last year, I think five teams made it to the Elite Eight from the Hockamock. It was just, and the two teams in the D1 Championship, you and Taunton, are both from the Hockamock League. But on top of that, it's almost like you're competing with prep schools, too, now, because everybody, not everybody, but it seems like it's pretty common now for guys to reclassify and do a PG year, take an extra year because these college rosters are so stacked from the COVID situation. Is that the way you look at the prep school scene? Are you really trying to get these guys to have pride and staying and go on the public school route? Or do you look at prep schools as just a continuation of your program? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a continuation of our program if, if the circumstances were more warranted that. I do think COVID and college rosters right now are they're really hard to manage. There, there's still a backlog from the extra year of eligibility for COVID, and I, and I also think the transfer portal has really opened up a, a different dynamic to to recruiting and, and recruiting high school athletes. It's made it much harder than it's ever been before for a high school athlete to be recruited. So, I, to answer that question, I would say this: is we're we stand by what we're doing. We feel like if there's a player in the town of Franklin that wants to play college baseball that we're going to be able to, and, and they have the ability to do that, and they have put themselves in a position, we're going to be able to find a home for them and, and help them guide them through that process. We want we want people, that, we want guys who want to be in Franklin. Like I had a unique upbringing growing up where I, I moved around quite a bit with my father's coaching career, and, and so we really weren't any in weren't, weren't we weren't in any one town for too long before we were we were moving moving on and uh, so franklin really to me has been my first real home and i love i love the town uh we're we're established in the town my kids love the town my wife and uh, we're really proud of where we where we are and and we want our student athletes to feel the same level of pride and and want to compete with each other and try to make memories you mentioned the, high, the the college recruiting scene, and just in general, I feel like now, and and when I go around and, and watch 
whether it's MIA games in the spring or even travel baseball in the summer, which kind of has its totally different element. Mm -hmm. I see more players now that are clearly very more, very well-rounded, talented baseball players, more than capable of playing at the next level, if not at a high level at the next level, that, as you mentioned, are having a really tough time getting recruited right now. You ask coaches that, that say that they've only, they're only recruiting two or three players in a certain class because of the transfer portal and the extra year of eligibility. What have you noticed sort of in your endeavors helping your kids at Franklin High get recruited? Yeah, I, I think that that, that trend is, is, is true. I mean, I, I do think there are some programs out there that, that aren't really relying as much on the transfer portal. But I, I think from, from the college coach's perspective, they're trying to navigate this as well. And they're trying to figure out what's the best path for them, for that roster that they have to try to manage it. You, you don't want to have a bunch of guys on your roster that don't see an opportunity. That's not good for anybody. And so I, I, I'm, I definitely feel like they're in a tough position where they're trying to make adjustments and figure out and navigate this, this new dynamic. And the COVID year and the extra year of eligibility just kind of added another layer to it. So, like I said, I, I, I still believe that there's a fit out there for everybody and, and there's a way to make it happen. It may not be, I think social media sometimes adds a layer of pressure that either a student athlete or a family sees a, a player commit and then they're, they start feeling more anxious because, like, why haven't I committed? But I think there's... There's a bunch of different avenues to make it a reality, and uh, I think if, if the desire is there and the drive is there, then there's a way to make it happen. And you've actually had pretty good success in making that happen even through this COVID period. You've got, I think, two guys on your current roster going to Northeastern to play. Yep. You've got Stonehill. you got a, a UMass Lowell mm -hmm. a couple last year at Merrimack, I think. So. Yeah. You've had a lot of success still getting guys to D1 programs. How, what percentage of your job do, would you say you spend on helping guys with their recruiting process? And, and what does that look like? Are you reaching out to coaches or helping them get their transcript in order? Yeah, I think so. The first thing is you, you get used, to, you get better at helping guys each year. You start to establish more and more connections. I was fortunate to coach collegiately for almost 12 years. So I had a lot of college coaches that were, we were sitting in lawn chairs together watching countless games getting sunburns. <laughs> and so you spend enough time and talk about enough players over the years. I think you start to develop a, a level of trust. I, I The reality is half of the high school season, from my perspective, is really about evaluating your own guys and talking to them and hearing them talk about what their aspirations are. And, and in that early part of the year, you're just figuring out like which guys might have the ability to play at the next level, which ones have the desire to play at the next level. And then really, right around May-ish, we'll start sending emails with our schedule and probable starters and things of that nature out mm. and start reaching out to programs and and we've been very fortunate. We we have a great showing of, of college coaches at our home games. And I think also we've, we've played a lot of night games, which adds another layer of flexibility for a college coach to be able to go and see Team X play in the morning or, or in the early game of the 4 o'clock right after school mm -hmm. and still come over and, and see us play a really good either Hawk team or non-league team. And uh, so I, I think we've gotten better at it. Also figuring out, like, how do you – have rosters that have the information that co college coaches are looking for to make it easier so they can get right in contact with a player and not have to use you as a middle person. So we, we, we have a bunch of different ways that we do that and that I do it personally. I try to 
take the onus off of the player during the season. I don't really want them thinking about that. I tell them, you know, that I don't want you to worry about that. I want you to just go out, have fun, compete with your teammates. I'll take care of this. I'll make sure that I'm doing my due diligence and following up with coaches and making sure that we have information available so that if a college coach is interested in a player, they're going to have that information. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7-365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division One, Two, II, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. I'm interested in your perspective on multi-sport athletes as it pertains to those that want to play college baseball because I feel like now college coaches I hear all the time preach multiple sport athletes. They want multiple sport athletes. Kids learn how to compete in different environments, new teammates, different situations. But I feel like it's hard for a kid to play football and then also go to that college's camp on Columbus Day weekend. It really doesn't kind of go hand-in-hand with one another. Not that the college coaches are being disingenuous in any way, shape, or form. They've got a job to do to try to get recruits and and try to fill out their rosters for years down the line so how do you feel like kids that are interested in playing college baseball that play basketball or hockey or golf or football can go about that process so that they're not put at a severe disadvantage from a from a college recruiting standpoint yeah i it's a great question and and it's everybody's recruitment is a little bit different and everybody's journey and pathway is a little bit different so i think if you're looking at it from that lens their their pathway is going to be a little different will they be able to do the columbus day or indigenous people day showcase no probably not but does that mean that they're going to be at a severe disadvantage i don't i don't think so i mean like i said i i think there's plenty of opportunities for players that are really interested in being recruited. Like I said, I I look at us as a big piece of the puzzle, but I don't look at our season as the only factor. I think a lot of times our high school season will, will be the first introduction for that player to college coaches. It's a, it's a time for me to be able to connect with that college coach and, and establish a little bit of a rapport and relationship 
But you guys have mentioned travel teams and summer ball teams and showcases and all of those are other opportunities for, for the player to continue the recruitment process or the prospect camps to follow up with those coaching staffs and really get a one on, some one-on-one time on their campus. Yeah, the travel ball, it seems to, and I want to talk to you about your experience in coaching at the college level too, mm-hmm. but I, I know you have experience with GBG and are still involved with that. It seems like the opinions on travel ball are just so strong one direction or the other. It's either providing support in strength training and recruiting, and in those ways I think it really works. Individual instruction, the ability to get these kids inside and competing during the winter, or at least competing with each other throughout the winter but then you hear a lot about guys going to these showcase events and they're just trying to max out for one inning and hit those high numbers on the radar gun and guys getting hurt because they're really trying to showcase their skills that way what do you think works well with the travel ball and what what do you think needs to be improved yeah i mean i'll I'll first start by just saying my experience at gbg has been phenomenal like the uh, the staff there is 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 great. They're top notch, and I have a ton of respect for how they go about their business and how they treat each individual player, and and the development plans, and the investment, and the time, energy, and effort that they put into each each. It's a it's a level of care that is above and beyond even what I thought they would do. And so I was very fortunate to be the college the director of college development there, and still am. And I have a great rapport with Chris Welch and Joe Breen and Chris Sullivan and, and, and Jeff Ambrosini. So can't speak enough about highly enough about those guys. But uh, I, I think from my experience on the, the travel ball circuit, I think the, the off season portion or the non-traditionals, I'll say it that way, season is, is so valuable for a, a baseball player that's really interested in elevating their game and, and really committing year round to to their process. I think I don't I don't necessarily think that college recruitment is the primary goal. I think the primary goal is is to just get guys ready to play in their and compete in their high school seasons and to be the best version of themselves. And then if you perform at a certain level and if your goals and aspirations align with playing college baseball, then I think it's it can also help in that endeavor as well. The you you hit on it. I think the places that probably are the most successful travel teams have tremendous culture you, you open the doors and you can feel the genuine buzz in there and <laughs> the excitement and sorry about that yeah, no, and, just pick up whatever wherever you feel comfortable going back to yeah sure yeah i think when you go in go into the into the open the doors there you you feel a, a genuine excitement and level of of passion for developing players and so i think the the, that's where, to me, the, the, the travel baseball programs really provide something that I can't provide as a MIAA coach. I, I wish I could. Mm-hmm. I wish I could be with our guys year-round, and I wish I could positively impact them and use baseball as a vehicle to do that, but it's just not the reality. And so a lot of the, the programs will have even more contact during the course of a year than, than I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- I think finding programs that have that type of culture, have that type of level of care is really important. Obviously, we've all heard horror stories of players getting injured in different tournaments and showcases. And I think that's an unfortunate part to the, to the travel circuit. I think, again, if, if you find the right programs that are preaching the right things, then you're going to 
be able to mitigate some of that by of the overuse and the, they're, they're, they're going to have a plan in place to take care of each individual athlete to try to make sure that those things don't happen. But yeah, I, I think that's one of the pieces of the travel ball model that probably does need a little bit of look, revamping. Arm injuries are up. I mean, the data showcases mm-hmm. itself very from, very thoroughly in the, in the aspect in the last five years, there have been more Tommy John surgeries or rotator cuff surgeries done for kids between 14 and 18 than, than pretty much ever before, sure. based accounts by all doctors. But I'm curious from your standpoint in the spring when you're working with your guys, what are some measures you guys do and take to tr- do your best? You can never guarantee anything, right? I mean, it can yeah. be one pitch that, that unfortunately does a, does a kid in. But what are some measures that you guys take in the spring as a coaching staff to try to maybe alleviate the stress on, on most high school kids? Yeah. I mean, I, I so from my perspective, I think the first thing that we do – is and, and it sounds simple, but you know, I'm very transparent with our players about my genuine interest in knowing how they're feeling. I want guys to be able to have the the flexibility to tell me, "Hey, coach, today I'm 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 sore, I'm tender, I'm this, I'm that," and no questions asked. They will be each position. If you look at our field has a crate next to it, and so those are for one collecting ground balls or fly balls when. They are not in their live progression where they're making throws, but also they're for the guys that we're trying to protect their arms. And we want them to be able to take ownership of how they're going to go about their catch play for the day, what their routine will be for that day, and their arm care. So if they want to just do band work and, and they need to skip throwing progression altogether, which I think is the most important part of our practice, then that's fine because I trust them that they're not trying to get out of anything and I think they also trust me in the sense that I'm not judging them and thinking like oh they're soft you gotta be tough like I understand as a a high school senior who ended up ruining his division one scholarship by tearing his rotator cuff and labrum throwing in an all-star game like I, I get it you know that you only have so many bullets in the chamber and and we're not bulletproof and so I want our guys to feel like they have the ability to say, hey, coach, I need to shut it down, or I, my arm's bugging me today, and no questions asked, let's get some treatment, let's figure it out, and is it general soreness, or is there something more there? I saw the uh, the D1 state championship game this year in Lowell. I'm sure he's happy you brought that up. <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, that was a really cool experience because the fans, they sat on different sides of the field, and it was, it was ri- a rivalry before even that state championship game. Sure. You could tell there was a lot of enthusiasm and excitement for that. But I also mentioned in 2018, you guys won the Super 8, which was a totally different thing. You would have never faced off against a league opponent at that stage of the state tournament. How did you, how did it compare? What did you think about that change where you could end up facing a team like Taunton in the state championship game? Yeah, so I, I liked super, the Super 8 in 2018. I'll come better. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, listen, we, I, I, honestly, I, I think the statewide tournament was, was fantastic. And that's that's coming from someone who ended up losing a state title game against a, a league opponent. But truly, there were multiple times during the course of the year when we had played Taunton, and Coach Burke and I had, had said, oh, like, you know, We'd like to play each other one more time. Just hopefully it's it's for all the marbles. And kind of felt like we were 
on a collision course all season long, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Burke and and, and Blair and and the, the program and what they've accomplished and the players that they have in their program. And it's a healthy rivalry. It's it's one that I feel like we both go out there, we compete as hard as we can for seven innings, and then it ends there. Mm-hmm. And that we're able to shake each other's hand, regardless of the outcome. Know that they go about it the right way. I think we try to go about it the right way, and it's 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 a great rivalry. It's certainly going to continue. They are they're not going anywhere. They have a lot of really talented players left on their roster, and they they have a tremendous sub varsity program, and and uh, so they have a lot of really talented players coming. You've been all over the place when it comes to tournament success, being in the state championship, winning a state championship, exiting in the tournament early, and and when you get to that point, whether you win or you lose that last game, what is your kind of message to your kids that are coming back? about what it takes to to get back there again. Yeah, I mean, I I think every year you start back at square one. I I really do. I don't think the previous season's failures or success really have much impact on on the next year. I, I think we have certain standards that we're looking for, and it's my job and our coaching staff's job to make sure that our program standards are hit every single day. I think our players, hopefully, we don't talk about state championships we don't talk about playing for championships that's not really part of my daily lingo i think if you're focusing on that there's a whole mess of things that you're missing the boat on on a daily basis so worrying about a championship which is months down the road that's just too far down the road for for me we're we're looking for kind of our daily effort our daily standards to be hit and i do think that previous success sometimes can be a great motivator for teams when they come to play you and I do feel as though over the years we tend to get teams best effort teams are very excited to play us we 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 see a lot of really good pitchers and we'll see teams that will maybe jump a a starter here or there to make sure that they throw against us so that's not lost on me that's not lost on our players but I think really all it does is add fuel to our daily effort and our daily preparation and our daily standards and that really is kind of my messaging it's like you know Jake Jacob Jetty's not walking through that door Chris Good's not walking through that door Jack Marino's not walking through that. I wish those guys were coming back and, and had more time to positively impact us, but their time has, has come to a close, and we'll, we'll root hard for them and their future success. But it's time for the next group that has been working really hard and has been waiting for their opportunity. And so, you know, like I said, that, that's really the messaging that we, we use. You mentioned you moved around a lot growing up because your dad was also a coach, which I didn't know. Where, where did he coach, and did you always imagine that you'd end up kind of following that path as well? My father is a, is a football coach, Don Brown. He's the head football coach at UMass Amherst right now. Oh. But, you know, he's had many stops along the way as a defensive coordinator and a head coach. He's, he's had a lot of success, and it's, it, it was a... It was a unique upbringing, but it was certainly a rewarding one and and the one that we really embraced as a family. I always grew up knowing that my dad was kind of a more prominent yeah, figure no. wherever wherever we were that everybody kind of knew my father and so I think for me, I always felt like it's probably why I didn't go the college football coaching route. I was a good football player in, in high school and, and I just I always felt like I wanted to earn it on my own. Carbon you know? your own, yeah. yeah. And I sense. didn't really 
want people to feel like, oh, well, he's just, well, that's because his dad was Don Brown. So, yeah. So I always, I've, it's nothing about not being proud or, you know, not, it's, I, I think it's kind of a defense mechanism maybe or a way to kind of make sure that whatever I'm getting, I'm earning on my own and, and, and not because of my father. But I think growing up in college locker rooms, it really shaped who I was as a person. And I've always felt like the athletic field has been a sanctuary for me. It's it's a place that I, I feel at comf- I feel comfortable during the chaos of, of competition. I really enjoy those those moments when the game starts to speed up and, and competition's at its highest level. I, I really enjoy that. And I, I love watching players compete at a high level and maintain composure and, and discipline and, and if you f- you feel like maybe you've had a little bit of a hand in helping them develop that edge, I think that's pretty rewarding. I'm curious if, and, I, and it sounds like all the experiences you had in terms of helping shape who you are being around your dad, as he traveled and, and coached at multiple different universities at, at the highest levels of, of football. I'm curious, though, if that also had an impact on your desires to coach at the collegiate level long-term with the family. You knew what it took. You knew how to, the, you knew the stress and holidays away and non, really no summer, particularly on the baseball side of things. So I'm just curious how that shaped your vantage point on whether or not you wanted to coach collegiately while you had kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I'll first start by just saying, like, I have the best parents. I was very fortunate to, I feel like I've, some people play the lottery, I feel like I won the lottery. My parents are uh, our biggest supporters, and I have three sisters, and we were, again, it's a very unique upbringing, but it's one that I think, you know, brought us all closer together and and like I said my mom is is a saint <laughs> she basically raised four four kids on her own while my dad was out pursuing his passion and then in terms of that shaping my my maybe how I arrived as a high school baseball coach yeah I mean I, I coached collegiately for 12 years my wife Katie and I were, were about settling down and and looking to have kids and a family and I I drew upon the experiences that I had growing up and moving, and and uh, we were really happy in Franklin. We happened to just, you know, pick a town <laughs> close to where I was working, where she was working, and it happened to be Franklin, Mass. But I was fortunate enough to be coaching with Pete Pascarosa at the time, who I mentioned was a mentor and, and was also a varsity baseball coach and athletic director in town. And he said that he thought that there was going to be an opening and, and thought that I might make a good high school baseball coach and at the time I wasn't really sure that I was that I was cut out for it I I just didn't know what the high school experience would be like but really truly it was the best decision that I made for me personally but it's it's, there were definitely opportunities to coach at the collegiate level some that I even accepted and then quickly declined Um, but in terms of being a high school baseball coach, I, I do feel like you can have just tremendous impact on, on young adults. And it's, it's been, like I said, for me professionally, it's, it's been the best decision that I, that I could have made for me and my family because it's allowed them to be part of our program. My son's a bat boy. One of my daughters is a ball girl who makes bracelets for everybody that you know is on the varsity team. And it's a really special environment for us. Yeah, it sounds like your kids are still pretty young. The reason I ask, I remember just last week we did a story, Kevin Graber is leaving Phillips Andover, and his kids are now kind of out of school. They moved on, and then he decided he wanted to go back to the either college or pro ranks. He ended up going to the Cubs organization. Is that something you think you could see yourself doing after your kids are out of school or out of the house? 
I mean, I, I'd never say never. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly I love baseball and, and certainly don't see myself not being involved in baseball. Um, right now, I'm where I, I'm where I should be, mm-hmm. and I'm, I live pretty much day to day, so I try not to get too far ahead of myself. But, yeah, I mean... We have a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old, so we're we're busy on a day-to-day basis running around Franklin. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to come in the studio. It was great catching up with you, and good luck as you move towards the spring season and compete for another D1 state championship. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks to Zach Brown for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Dave Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.